0: Welcome to MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's Soccer Player Development Podcast. Discover all the secrets, hints and tips about soccer player development and soccer coaching from some of the leading figures in world soccer. Here's your host, Saul Isaacson-Hurst. Hi guys, welcome back to another show and uh, this week we've got a fantastic guest, uh, really privileged that Hasni Aljo-Free has uh, agreed to come on the show. Hasni um, uh, worked uh, for over 10 years at Manchester United's Academy and uh, listen, we had uh, obviously Paul McGuinness on the show previously. Uh, Who just lets into some of the background at uh, Man United uh, over the years, and um, and Hasney also talks about uh, Paul's work there. But it's great to have people uh, on the show, obviously from United, uh, one of the best academies in the country, if not the world. Obviously dominated academy football in England for so long, uh, particularly in those early years of Alex Ferguson, or when Alex Ferguson was in charge. So, we listened to find out what happened behind the scenes there, uh, what sort of things they were doing. You know, talking about the development of all those top players. You know, your Rashfords, your yeah, Your Lingars, obviously Pogba is at the academy as well. So, um, yeah, really privileged that he, he agreed to come on the, sh- the show and share his story. He worked across the academy, obviously, most age groups from the 12s all the way up to the 23s, and, and he's been working in the Champions League, uh, the, the youth, UEFA Champions League youth team as well. So this is a top, top show again, and, uh, you know, listen and, and learn and um, appreciate it, and uh, so, look, uh, I know you're going to enjoy it, and uh, let's get into the show. So, Hazni Free, welcome to the show. Yeah, good to, good to be here. Looking forward to having a bit of a
1: chat with you.
0: Yeah, thanks for inviting could, me on. Could you give us a brief outline of your playing and coaching journey up to this point? Well, well, yeah, um, thinking back, I'm, I'm
1: getting a bit old now. But yeah, started out at... Uh, well, was it young young lad, 8 was 16 at Man United. Got released at 16. Um, went to Bolton. Bolton was 16 to 21. Managed to make me debut in the Premier League for, for Bolton Wanderers. And then had a, yeah, it was a great start to my football journey up to Dundee United. I had three, not two and a half, three seasons up there. Great time up there. Signed for Plymouth Argyle. Probably the best part of my career down at Plymouth Argyle. I um, had five great years there. We won the league. Um, every year was there. The, the club did really well. Um, had a couple of loans in between as well because I had some injuries. So I went to Sheffield Wednesday and Oldham. Um, and then I came back. And then, yeah, kind of the final part of that, I, I signed for Swindon Town. Uh, had a real good start there, but I had a bit of a terrible injury at Swindon Town and kind of yeah, struggled to after my first season, struggled to I guess maintain form after after my injury, and then I finished up at Oldham Athletic, um, a little short-term deal, and that was the end of me. I had like seven operations on my knee, so that was it. And then I went into coaching. I, I went to coaching at Oldham Athletic, worked with their under 14s and 15s along with their reserve team, and then I was offered a job at Man United. Um, I think it's two thousand 11 i think 2011 and then yeah I had a name of 10 years there uh, working in the youth development phase and working right across from I guess 13 up to 19. as a as a as a player developer um, within all the age groups so this last year um I've joined the PFA as a coach developer so a little bit different now so yeah, it's, it's, in a snapshot that's that's where I'm at and so my year in actually today
0: funny enough at the PFA uh-huh. Happy birthday for the for the anniversary. What what, what position did you play, by the way, Handy? Um, I played a varied amount of positions. If I'm
1: honest with you. Um, I never really settled in a position. Probably it was till it was a it was Plymouth Argyle who really saw me as a centre back at the age of 25. So for, when I was at Bolton, I was I was a left back, left wing back, centre midfield, centre back, and that kind of happened. Went to Dundee United. It was a left back. Went to centre field. Um, signed for Plymouth left back. Centre back, and then that was it. Centre back seemed to be the the most favoured position, and then kind of the best time, and it was settled around 24,
0: 25, funnily enough. Wow, and and going, you've gone to Bolton, to Dundee United, to Plymouth. That's like you've done some miles there, by the way. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> um No, it was it. Listen, it was a it was an interesting kind of a start to, not not just a start to the journey, but it, I kind of found a relationship with a, with a manager at Dundee United in in Paul Sturrock. He wanted to sign me up in um, at Dundee United, and yeah, yeah, we we, we instantly hit it off as we kind of got to know each other, and he you know subsequently he signed me for like four clubs. In the end, he gave me a name. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow.
0: So, All right, so let's let's get into the coaching bit because uh, you know it's a coaching podcast. It's got so let's talk about your first your first coaching experiences at Oldham. What was that yeah. like making that transition from you know the pitch to the dugout, if you like, or you know the pitch to the you know the training environment? Yeah like a fish out of water if I'm honest with you. Um I had no idea what I was doing.
1: Um yeah, it was it was just it was I was kind of like what what's going on here, you know, but I was I was I think the good thing for me was I was open-minded and wanted to learn and wanted to get into coaching, but I was certainly, you know, a real I was probably below a novice if I'm honest with you, I came out of the game, all right. Probably 17-year career playing the game and captaining and all that, but then all of a I also sudden went into it with the under 14s and 15s. And then obviously with the reserve team, you're like, not really sure what I'm doing here. I'm not really sure. You know, even at Oldham, there was, I think it was a school teacher who was running the 14s and 15s. And I was literally learning off him, learning how to coach what he was looking at. I had no idea, you know, kind of like, I've not had this mindset for a long, long time in terms of development and and breaking things down. So that was the, that initial stage was, wow. Um, But because I was very fortunate, I I had a bit of a dual role there. I kind of enjoyed the, the working with the youngsters because actually it was like it was it was challenging, it was motivating because I didn't really know what I was doing at the start of it. And then because obviously the other side of the reserves, it was like it was like I was I was still playing, talking mm-hmm. the, the normal football, then it was straightforward. But yeah, I kind of got a passion for a
0: bug for for kind of you know that the younger stuff. So that was that was the initial start. What about like, I'm interested, Lois asked this question, like in terms of how did you you know come about when you had to do your first sessions. I mean, what was what did you draw on from was it your experiences and you know first thing level was you just watching what the other coach put in or did you want some coaching courses or what, what, how did you you know come up with those first ideas for those sessions?
1: Yeah, I mean I think it probably came back from experience of, of my own personal public coaching uh, being coached sorry within first team environments um obviously going on the coaching courses and uh, picking up some bits of information um and obviously watching what's going on around you. But I think initially it was like kind of, it was basic. It was what I, what I knew with no, no detail whatsoever. No, no idea about coaching. It was just putting a session on, you know, the difference between training and coaching, as you know, it is so, so different. So yeah, I was putting a couple of training sessions on with, with no, no development. It was just putting them on. So that was, that was the initial phase for me. It was like, what, you know, looking back, it was like, it was crazy, but you have to start somewhere. Right. And, I was thankful for Oldham to to give me that opportunity to get in there and just you know get get my feet wet and try and find you know find a way of of you know progressing in that in that career.
0: What what were the main like reflecting back? What the main takeaways? Is that, you know the 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 main the initial things you really thought. Oh wow, yeah, this is you know the coaching, you know those those tips or those first initial you know that light bulb moment thinking. Oh, this is different. You know you know there's, there's those those first things you picked up in that that initial environment.
1: Yeah, no, I I just thought, you know, um it, it was it was the idea of of child development, it was the idea of of supporting others and helping others opposed opposed to all being about yourself um as a footballer as you you know, as as you know, it becomes it becomes it's a bit of a bubble of you and what you're gonna do, and it's all how can I be the best? And all of a sudden then you've got like 15 to 20 to 25 youngsters around you who are who are dependent on your knowledge and your skill and your craft. So it was it was, it was that kind of stark moment of, right, wow, you, you need to, you know, if you want to get into this world, you need to do the time, you need to learn, you need to break yourself down. And I think that, that was really key, actually looking at the young kids' faces and it was like, you know, I'm not going to bluff these. I need to really, if I want to be in this world and try and make a, a bit of a pathway for myself, I need to educate myself and learn and, you know, and kind of um, get around people and digest information as quick as I could.
0: So what did you? I mean, how did that work then? In, in reality, what did you do to upskill yourself in that when you're first yeah, in that environment?
1: I think more very much informally, getting out and about, watching, you know, uh, friends from football going into different clubs, um, as well as working at Oldham, I was I was getting out and about and um, talking football to people, and I was very fortunate. I had um, I had a uh, an ex-coach at Man United who was still there, a guy called Tony Wheeler, and there was another one called Paul McGuinness they were still mm-hmm. at United from when I was at a kid and then I was going into Man United and observing them and taking notes and you know I was almost sharing ideas and they were quite curious about me and, and what I was doing at Oldham and then you know after I think it was around yeah eight or nine months I was going in more often and I was just like I was blown away by the the environment and um, I was mm-hmm. taking my knowledge back from there and started to pin things around you know making some kind of ideas with myself and taking them back into Oldham and then yeah, it quite he, it happened quite quickly, but that was the main source of information, and, and I was I was kind of getting uh, fed a lot of in, incredible nuggets by these guys. It was just it was just it was gold dust, you know. So eight months into it, nine months since so we started having some informal conversations about going into into working at Man United, and I was like, wow. So that that was it. Really, It was kind of getting out and about. Um, I'd done my B license. I just finished it off. Um, they put me straight. They want, they want me to go straight on my air license. I could get on it. I went on my air license. So in terms of formal education, I was doing my, I was doing my badges. But <clears throat> I think informally, getting out and around the football people and initially start, started to learn how to coach and you know. And then like I say, going in at Man United was 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 incredible for me. It, it kind of really did strip me back in terms of right. Okay, you need to you know you need to understand these certain things. And I was following up with coaching. I, you know I keep you know anyone ever asked me you have to fall in love with something to be the best and mm. I like it referred back to when I started playing the game it was it was that moment when I was going at united I started to fall in love with like the the environment the people it was it was a world class environment there so people
0: were always... Interesting. In yeah, because we uh, Paul Paul has been on the show and he's obviously i've come across from the a license like unbelievable first class one of the you know like a, a proper inspiration so i mean that's really important isn't it i mean i'd as well when you work at clubs like that people who are to learn off like you say you can just who have that aura about them right and who have that you know like you, you know you just hang on every word almost those those personalities so just a bit more about those that the initial then so you had those conversations what was your first role then when you went into went into man united
1: Um, I was supporting quite a lot of the programme, officially was down as an under-15s assistant coach, I was working with another guy called Andy Smith who who was fantastic, he really kind of guided me and mentored me uh, to start with but um, I would probably say Tony Whelan had me, he was kind of head of coaching Tony and he had me working right across from 15s, 14s I'd be going in as part of my initial training, you'd be a part of the whole club really so you'd be going Mm -hmm. in the foundation phase and learning and being around the coaches there and across the twelve to sixteens and even up with the eighteens with Paul and Warren Joyce, which was twenty-one. So you every day you'd be in, you'd be listening, you'd be learning. It wouldn't be like you'd be set here, 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 you'd be you'd be talking football with football people. So it was a it was informal, but I would imagine very formal from their point of view mm. in, in what they wanted to do with me.
0: Tony, really, another football legend, by the way, obviously well known in the Academy landscape. Um, so tell us about what's your initial. I mean, you talked about that environment, the coaches, what, what are the other things that you noticed? What's the difference between the, you know, between the, the, the environment at Oldham and the environment at Man United? I mean, look, Oldham were a fantastic football club and,
1: and the, the resource they had was, was was limited. Um you know, it was kind of very, very much basic and, and what they had with the they maximized the time. I think they had a, one football pitch with maybe three or four groups on, you know, in, in an evening. Um, you know, everybody just, you know, kind of just getting on with their own stuff. And then obviously going into Man United, as you can imagine, it's a, a real joined up approach with a vast amount of staff and, you know, a varied amount of, you know, in, from diff, all disciplines. And yeah, you know, the resources are unlimited and the facility, facility is incredible. You have a full pitch and you can have, four, you know, three or four different types of pitches. It, it just, it just went from one extreme to another extreme, but, I think from even both areas, it was or both clubs, it, it was striking that you know, if you wanted to be a part of, of development and, and coaching kids, it was it wasn't it wasn't around around winning games and, and being a first team player type. It was you need to understand development. So I think if I if I say there was a lot more staff around at Man United who've been there a long time, who like you say, the Tony Whelans who are probably cultural architects, um been there, know what it what it's you know, what it's what what it means to people, you know, the Incredible human beings, very humble, hardworking, honest, uh, caring, giving. Um, and if it, you know, if we go about Tony Whelan and, and Paul, Paul, Paul's the expert probably on the grass, and the detail that Paul used to break it down to was minute. And you're like, wow, I would never even think of that at all. He mm. was absolutely like fine, fine art. Um, and I know he's still like that today. And then obviously, you've got the I don't know, he's almost like a farmer figure, uh, figure Tony Whelan, just head of coaching but he, he just incredibly like um, yeah incredibly like kind of gracious he was just he was just a, a fantastic human being it just made you feel at mm. ease all the time and then again the academy manager was Brian McClare and he, he was he was Brian mcclaire to me it was like wow Brian McClare so looking watching you in the stands and another another great guy a guy who just wanted you to do well and but all, all, the guys, all of them were, were focused on it was development and technique and skill and and, and the kids were
0: at, at the forefront, not the coach. Great. So let's talk a bit, like, get into detail. And so you go in as under-15s coach initially. Tell us sort of about them. What do what, what the sessions look like for a 15-year-old at the time? You go in there, give us an example of a typical session for an under-15 at the time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think um, it was coming to the, the final bit around the um, youth development phase. So did be, you know you probably you know this probably start off with some kind of sports science warm up there'd be people around that from that department to start off the session just because of the physical profiling um, aspect and I think from from that point the club had core sessions that that were created by by staff around the age and I think you maybe have eight to twelve core sessions which would after your normal boxes it always be like the, the staple diet would be boxes and technique it's technique and skill it was it was broken down into 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 the boxes to start with, but then you you probably go into your core core um, sessions of, depending on the type of, uh, time of the week. So, uh, you know the club had so many, and then you finish up your games, um, and hopefully like it was it was very basic and but it was very much broken down into detail and it wasn't a training session. So yeah, it would have probably in three parts, maybe four sometimes, but certainly start with some type of quick warm up, not too much, but then into the boxes, lots of balls, lots of skills and straight into the into the uh into the possessions or the yeah the skill practices where you know you, you're looking
0: for you know the lads to really come out and show what they've got i guess i like, guess an example then If you say boxes what's what's happening in the boxes do you mean yeah, like a like, uh, like little rondo, rondo type thing little rondo yeah yeah, yeah like your rondos but again it yeah. wasn't just a 6v2 or a 5v2
1: it'd be you know the the focus was still on like you know your weight of pass, you know your appreciation, giving it the best pass you can. Everybody on the toes and checking your shoulder left and right. And you know it it wasn't just staying in the box and a bit of fun. It was it was skill development. It was high high level. And the the two guys in the middle chasing around, but like not just running around like rabbits. It was there was an art to the defending as well. So right from the off, it wasn't just we're, we're coming to train. The, the, the rondos were you know, you're you trying to improve your technique and skill under high pressure and, and the guys who are, I guess, chasing, working the hardest to, to win the ball back and but with, it, with an art behind that. It was, it, you it's, know, it, uh,
0: yeah, absolutely. So, uh, go on, sorry, mate. <laughs> go, on, go for it.
1: I was going to say, look, I see a lot of boxes and a lot of people saying, oh, we're just going to do boxes but, you know, there's so much you can
0: get out of a box of a rondo. Absolutely. Which, yeah. yeah. So, Agreed. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, and people cri- often criticise... Uh, Rondos because it's not, maybe not directional because everything's you know in the modern day has got to be directional but like you say the different aspects of it you know faking for your receive and disguise and like, like paul McGuinness talks about a lot all those little elements you can get in there is great isn't it just getting yeah. a tesla so you've talked about those i'm trying to you know everyone more interested in what really goes on in the grass and you said about these sample sessions or had a core group of sessions what would that work? Then, so for example give us an idea how, how did you choose what you're doing was, was there like a, a technical tactical cycle was it something different each night or how was this how was it structured in the week or the months or something like that I mean, yeah. I mean, as as my time went on, it became a little bit more, um, I got a
1: tactical periodization, as, as the, I guess, as my time went on within the club. But initially, it was purely a technical programme without any real focus on a tactical, if you know what I mean. It was, you was maximising your time on the grass and, and improving skill. Um, it was all about skill and, and the game was the last, it wasn't even, a, you know, there was no, Thought around the game, no thought around, you know, we need to pull this into the bigger picture. It was just, you're maximising your time each night you're in um, and it's all going to be a skill, whether you're defending, whether you're attacking, whether you're in transition. um, Focus was technique skill and it wasn't really too much linked to the game. And then, so give us an
0: example then of gives an example of some a practice you could just you know one of those what one one what my, one practice might look like so i just push you because this is what i'm nosing I'm myself i don't know what you guys yeah, do yeah no, you're we, one of the best academies in the world it's like you know when yeah. you're doing all the details i mean look i'd
1: say i'd say look you you've you've probably all seen that you know that you can have any anything, anything anything from a box to a rectangle but it's what you was doing within that. So we I think one of the, the, the core practices was a we called it a 7v3. And it was probably around a 20, 20 yard long, like in edge of the box. So by line to edge of the box with we like maybe 12 yards wide. And you'd have two down one side, two down the other, one, one, one in the middle, and three chasing. But everyone down the side was one touch, and it was all around pass appreciation, checking your shoulder, staying light on your toes and working as a as a six to find the ball and feed it into the, the number 10, so to speak, in the middle, the creator in the middle, um, and, f- and find the right time. And then that guy, once he gets the ball, how he can manipulate the three against him um, and play around him. And it was like, you know, that was a, probably a typical session of high, high quality of getting the lads to get up to that, that level of playing one touch um and finding that right, right pass at the right time to get into the guy in the middle to then go and play and play around and um, that was high level, but that was probably one example of one of the sessions out of maybe, I think there are 12 sessions of, of type of, of pure technique skill and then you'd look at the three and you think about the three uh, and the focus for them guys, it wasn't just defenders, it was everybody, it was a mindset of working hard and chasing and, and pressing and first man goals and the next two, what are you doing behind? So, I'd say that was a typical session and that, that evolved over time. That then you started to use the little pods towards the end. If the three win the ball, they can wrap out for a, as if, if they've won it, they wrap out to a goal. So it's like a counter attack. Um, so, like I say, right at the start, the initial phases, there it, it was, it was just designs around um, There was the idea yeah, to create what was going in within um, the area. So it wasn't, like I say, it wasn't so much direction all the time, it was more the technique, skill
0: under high pressure. Um, and how you how you uh, how you deal with the ball? You mentioned the off the ball there. I mean, I, I was always struck we used to when I was at Tottenham, we used to come play you guys at Repton every year and Derby mm. and another Chelsea as well. Come always have fixtures against. Always 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 noticeable. Like always very hardworking boys, very skillful, high level technique, but also that very tenacious, hardworking. I mean, you, you mentioned it there when you talk about it. is that really part of the part of the culture there in the in the academy and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, I think like like I say, I think you've without hammering it home to to the to young kids as they come in the building, but it's part of, like you say, it's the culture there, it's to to give everything you've got, you know, you turn up and, and enjoy what you do, but work hard and make sure that when you've left, that you've got nothing really left, you know, to give. It's it, it's on and off the ball, it was all football, but yeah, you, you, you'd kind of be left behind if you wasn't going to be working hard, so I think that Obviously, the coaches who like a, like the Tony Whelan's, you know, and the Paul McGuinnesses, they, they knew out what what to expect and the levels uh, from us, the rest of the coaches, and then what we were supposed to kind of like input on the kids. But yeah, I mean, you, you can't help yourself when you work. You go into Man United and not not enjoy yourself and work hard. There's something wrong with you. So yeah, we were we were quite forced. Man United, and like I say, um, I think I think they call it like you know, if you've got players that are coming through, have been through the system all the time, and they're all still around the place, and they come and watch. The kids all automatically want to work hard and do do the right things anyway. So, yeah, it's like yeah, it was fantastic, but I think it
0: just it was derived from the environment that they were in. Tell us a bit about then. You so see, you become U13 head coach. That's your first head coach role. Uh, what was that like in terms? What, what was was it? You know, what were the what were the pressures, or the, was there any pressure? or What was the difference between being a head coach and an assistant? And now you're in charge of the group and that sort of yeah. thing.
1: Yeah, no,
0: what about what the challenges maybe
1: a better word there yeah maybe just you're starting to understand now what you know game time for kids and making sure that you know you're, you're selecting um, you know you're not just selecting on your own but you're selecting uh, you know teams to play where yeah you're giving them the correct opportunity at the right time and it was it was an interesting process actually from the start because whereas you might think oh, you're under 13 head coach and you're picking from the under 13s at Man United I'm sure over clubs it was more more of an individual program, so you wasn't just selecting players from your age group. It was what who was, what was the right player for the right team at that right mo- at that right moment. So you was like you saying that then all of a sudden from from supporting coaches and like a, you're more like a technical coach, here, but you, you started to I guess then you know interact with all the other coaches and making sure that you're involved with the planning process for for each player, making sure that they're on the right games program. So. Um, the last thing was about winning the game, but obviously the winning the winning aspect was always going to be there at Man United. But it was more providing the right opportunity for the right individual. So that communication and planning it didn't just, it didn't happen on a Friday or the Saturday before the game. Saturday Sunday it was it was planned. You know
0: maybe a long time before. So, also tell us a bit about that about the, the off the field the planning stuff. Then what was the you know for example your under thirteen head coach? What would be your sort of typical week and. How do you liaise with the other departments? And like I say, how does that planning process work in terms of getting it from the ideas to the to the pitch?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, the, as you can imagine, there would be a lot of uh, planning. There'd be a lot of meetings in terms of, you know, the coaching program, the syllabus, and to the the games program, what's coming ahead, to so the tournaments, and who's doing what. Um, so there'd be constant uh, planning meetings, and and just to make sure you're in check with with other coaches. And yeah, I mean, look. Probably a good example would be someone like Scott McTominay, who's now first team. He, his program was was very much varied in terms of who he would be training with compared to who he would be playing with. So he might be, you know, he might be training with the under fifteen. So, but sometimes he might he might play with the fourteen. So, yeah, I mean, look, there's too probably too much to tell you right now. But the the week itself was you you probably come in on a Monday morning, just you know, just to you know. Reflect on the weekend, and then you look for the week ahead, and just making sure that we're, we're all still aligned. But you, yeah, you planning the training sessions, but you kind of half knew what what you was doing with the training. It Was just making sure that each player had the right right program, um, and you'd be going through it every player um, in terms of what how they kind of like you know not just perform, but how they are. What do you think they they can you know cope with going forward? And yeah, that was meticulous, I and mean, that was no stone turn with that, and just to make sure that you know the, that kid was getting the right the right training programme, right games programme, because like I say, it wasn't about winning, you know, having your team and your you'll we'll have the, I'll have the strongest team here. It was about making sure it was the really appropriate game and training programme for, for each player. So that Monday morning and that continued all week just to make sure that we're all on the right, same, you know, on the same page. And uh, like I say, as, as that kind of went a little bit further on the 13s, you you start to understand the, the dynamics of making sure that the responsibility feeding back to parents and, making sure the players understand what, what's going on and the communication becomes even more important that, you know, you're, you're on the right page with everybody. Um,
0: so you're not working on your own. It's, every decision is kind of a, a collective. And, and you mentioned about like, the winning and development thing. So tell us about that then in the you know, 13s, 14s. I mean, how, how do you approach that game on the weekend in terms of juggling that winning be development argument and how you're setting up the boys and, you know, that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, like I say, the, the training programme itself or, yeah, the coaching programme it was was designed really to to push players and, and you know, they will not know that, but, you know, you wanted winners within that, you weren't the ones who didn't like to, to lose the mini games or, you know, the, the ones who, yeah, you just wanted everybody to be kind of at, at the, uh, not at the peak, but just at, at the, the tip of like the iceberg to say like, oh, we're giving everything we've got and. That kind of without saying it, you started to create some something within within the players some some kind of a feeling inside that they want to win, without want to come out and then we want to win by all cost. It became part of them as a, as a human being. That and then obviously the the Man United culture from the from the history and they've always been winners and um, you can you know without saying it, it just breeds itself. So it was, yeah, it was kind of like the secrets behind the scenes of. Of the training program and the, the communication, and you know, even the psychology around you know walking around the training ground and, and meeting the players and going to the stadium, looking at the trophies, and going to Old Trafford and looking at the pitch, and there was a lot of subtle things that were happening, which were you know kind of breeding that kind of environment of of wanting the lads to
0: be winners, but that had to come from within. I mean, I mean, because obviously I've, I've seen a lot of the, I've seen a United play a lot in the Foundation and the YDP, but the Foundation you notice particularly the guys who stand off, they're minimal, if any, you know, inputs, let the boys play, let them get on with it. So I'm interested, how does that work in terms of, you know, the transition from foundation phase to YDP into PDP in terms of when does, when do you become a bit more active? When does winning become a bit more important or when do you need to help the boys more and that yeah, sort of thing?
1: It's interesting, you know, like I say, from the start of the journey, my journey, the, the 10 years at United, it kind of changed with, with management and not massively changed, but um, certainly Early on, um, yeah, early on, it was similar in the YDP, really. He didn't really, he wasn't really fo- vocal from the side as coaches and I think the our, our coach behaviour was was kind of told, like, let the players try and work out themselves. There was very limited tactical information, if any. You know, you turn up to game day on a 13-, 14-year-old. A so, like you say, the little ones in the foundation phase would be playing 3v4, 4v4, 9v9, whatever it might be the coaches are letting them play and it would still be something similar. We'd set them up in a shape, you know, usually when, I, when, when we started out 4-4-1-1, four, four, one, one, uh, but you wasn't told to do that. But it was like, it was almost a kind of the Man United way. Um, so, yeah, it, and it was like, you know, some limited bits of information, no real set plays. Um, go and find out yourself, go and work out yourself. Um, and that's what happened early on. Certainly when I was 13, 14s coach, that's, that was the case. Um but as you know, time times move on, and, and other clubs were starting to bring whiteboards in, and you know there's a lot more information around uh, tactics, and, and you start to think to yourself, well, do we do we do we put a little bit into that? So you know, we, we, there was an element that was starting to creep into into the training program, maybe towards the end of the week, where actually we'll have a little look, look at the game. But again, not not demanding the lads to win games. It was more, like I say, the environment against. You know, we'd set up a team against maybe a City or a Liverpool and there might be a little bit more information around the, the meaning of the game um, and let them guys work it out. But like I say, I think over the journey of my time there, it became a little bit more prominent, the tactical aspect and the, the psychology behind, you know, maybe winning, um, a bit more demanding as
0: you as you would do as you're getting older. Um, yeah. That'd be my ne- that's, that's, that be was going to be my next question. You're sort of touching it. When you say you are playing Liverpool or City, What's that like in terms of like you know your week preparation? we just, I've discussed on the show many many coaches around the world those derby games and do you try and take a little bit of sting out of the tail of the fixture or you you're building the boys up or you're reminding them. You know what it means, so that those guys down the road we don't like them, not sort of thing. Or how does that? How did that, that play out? Yeah, I mean,
1: look, it, <laughs> when the when little guys, it's you know, it's probably a little bit more fun oriented But as you get a little bit more older, it's the meaning behind these games is this history, right? So mm. you might use them um, as long as it's a joint, a joint approach, and a, an agreement between all the staff. Like you know, we'll have key games where. There might be more tactical information as to get older. There might be a bit more emphasis on the game itself and how you how you approach the game. And you might have a little bit of an opposition analysis maybe at 16. Um, and you might look at you know these types of games and go, look, there's a bit more demand. You might look to play um your strongest team, for example, that might be part of your program. I'm not saying that's what happened, but yeah, you, you might look at um certainly at Man United. We we you know, we we use the, the bigger games as a maybe a vehicle for for a little bit more of a, a, a different approach. So it wasn't always the same technique, skill and enjoyment and freedom and going to explore. It was maybe a little bit more drip fed then in terms of as they're getting up the ladder, it's going to be becoming a little bit more prominent as they get older. So
0: it was that process of, yeah, you know, where it started and how much he was going to give. Do you reckon do you reckon particularly, obviously, as you as time moved on and City became a prominent you know, bigger, more money invested and was, was there any sort of within the club saying, right, you know, well, this fixture is more important because in terms of recruitment, for example, you know, you know, I've been there, you know, at the clubs, you know, Chelsea, that Chelsea Arsenal game in London, maybe it wasn't as people have made it but it but it's really like, who's got the, you know, the two biggest academies in London going at it and maybe the conscious of thinking, you know, what does that look like in terms of parents and awareness? Or is it like, you know, we're Man United, we play this way, whatever happens, whatever.
1: There, I think it was tough to start with when City went pretty big and invested and Chelsea also. We were, you know, I wouldn't say difficult, but we found it, we found it very, very challenging. Certainly when it came to game day with these guys, it was we were getting panned quite a lot. But I think internally internally as staff, we, we always always looked to have the best players. We wanted to say, but make sure we got the best players because we mm-hmm. wasn't developing teams, we were developing individuals to try and get through to have careers. So that, like I said to you at the start, it was more more important for us to make sure that each player was was trying to do the right things at least. And you know, and by the end of the game, we'd have the best player one or two on the pitch. So they were very much um, starting off. Both clubs were starting off tactical information early, earlier. Earlier, um, and as you as you know, like when that happens, yeah, they're probably going to get more wins on a Saturday or a Sunday because of the more game game kind of tuned. So we found that difficult to start with, but we we I don't know behind the scenes it was I don't know there was a maybe a lack of investment into the club where we we were losing out on, on, on players but as coaches and all our jobs were was was to develop players and what we had in front of us so all I can do is speak around that I can't talk around the recruitment and the investment and what happened with City and stuff like that in, in detail but we used to always make sure that we would maximize our time with, with who we had um and, and certainly, we did that. All the cultures were fantastic, and, and made sure that, it, like, like I said at the start, it was it was around giving the players opportunity, making sure that you know there was freedom to explore. It wasn't just around you know you playing this position. You're you know we're going to do this, and that's how we're going to score, and that's how we're going to win. That was never the case at the time. Um, but like I say, as the as times moved on, I think uh, staff changed around, and, and people left, and. Yeah, you start looking at what what are we doing? You know, can we add to the program? Do you think that we if we added this, we can help them there? So I think that was a good thing. United were always looking, you know, they're always looking to to improve all the time. And yeah, you know, not not being, I don't know, what's the what's the words not shy enough to to go and see, you know, what what are others doing, like, you know, go and research. And yeah, we had a bit of a sticky patch, to be honest with you. It was a tough time because, like, like you say, are you losing players because of to perceive winning on a Saturday and Sunday, from yeah, exactly. Um,
0: because I mean, that's the problem, isn't it? Because obviously, you know, we, you know, we can, all, we can all as coaches talk about it. Well, it doesn't matter. We, we developers, we're not around it. But as you know, the pressures of, you know, the, uh, you know, recruitment and academy football are, are high, isn't it? And I can imagine, like from, you know, looking from the outside, United being, you know, the big dog for so many years, really unchallenged, really. You know, and then suddenly there's all these other, could be, could be quite challenging, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, like you say, you know,
1: Man United, they win, win, win. And for parents, you know, they're not really, you know, I'm a parent myself, but, you know, you see Man United always want Man United to win games. But I think, like you say, until you're in there, you realise actually you've, it's not, you win, winning, win is, winning is, is important, but it's the way of, of, of creating that environment for them to understand what winning, how to win, what it means to them. It's not, you know, and then all of a sudden at the right time, in the key areas when they're a little bit older then yeah because it becomes a bit more real so mm. it, yeah I mean, I, I don't know it's it's interesting now because like like I say, looking back on it all it, we, we had a bit of a tough time on match day because of like I said we, we kind of the recruitment kind of stopped or there was a lack of investment for whatever reason and all, maybe a lot of players were, weren't joining United and going elsewhere and we always maintained what we was doing that we had, we had the best programme it was an aspirational programme we had lots of players coming through the system players coming out the other end not just in our first team but all over the country and the stats were, were proven with that that they were coming out so you know I think our aim was always the the end point it wasn't about winning on the, on the Saturday or the Sunday it was about how can we navigate not mess up the journey of that individual and take them as far as we can and Tony was great that each parent meeting that he had he said look enjoy the ride it's Man United we'll do everything we can and they'll see the world they'll have some fantastic experiences and you know most years if not all years at some point we'll get off our train so if we're on a train you know you're, you you want to get to London we're in Manchester you, the, you know the it's probably more certain that you're going to get off at some point, maybe Birmingham. But enjoy the sights as you get to Birmingham and get off there and get on another train and find your way. But we'll take you as far as we can. So, you know, I think there was kind of them that psychology behind the meetings. You know, we talk, <coughs> we're always giving the messages around. Look, we'll just enjoy your kids. It's and, and getting to the parents. is not first team football. It, it's a it's a childhood that the the youngsters should enjoy and not get caught up in having to. Like it's, you're a first team player. So yeah, it, it was interesting. But like I say, I think from, from that aspect, it it was always going back to the individual, always going back to that bespoke program, um, and finding a way and a pathway through as far as they can get to w- within the club. And if not, if they left, they, they're left with all the tools as in the bag to, to get somewhere else.
0: Interesting. And like you said, I think that's that's the key, isn't it? It's your just it's educating the parents, isn't it, to say, you know. This is what development looks like, not necessarily winning on the weekend. Absolutely. Yeah. So, tell us about that. Then, because you've done, then you gone to, to work to do some work with the under 19s UA for under 19s League. Tell us about that Then that challenge. And like, obviously, then obviously the results come important, it's more competitive. Tell us about that experience with that, that age group. Yeah.
1: I think, again, it, that was more. Um, now you're talking a little bit more around that that aspect of, of there's a demand now to win. You're in a Champions League kind of tournament now. Setting your team up, you know, start of the week to, to get to a point of, right, we're going to, we've got, a, we're playing whoever it might be, Wolfsburg on Saturday or Tuesday night, and you're preparing like a first team. So that was like the end of that of that kind of journey of, right, okay, we've not saying you're finishing your technical and, um, I guess, you, you, your core sessions, but what you what you are edging towards now, like you say, you there's a, I guess, there's a design within your week leading up to the game where it's built a little bit more, well, it's a lot more tactical and a lot more demand psychologically. Um, each player you now has a, as a, as a role um, within the team in their position and yeah I think obviously that's probably the, the top end of, of that spectrum where you're looking at actually the, the final bits the, the final little bits of, sort of learning the game um, without actually knowing it all properly but there's a lot more tactical information there um, at that point so
0: yeah, I mean, what look, did you? What was what was that like for you personally? Was that? Would you? Did you enjoy that experience? With a little bit more the competition and having that little bit more. All right, guys, this matters. What was that? What was that feel like you personally as a coach and?
1: Yeah, when you were I delivering. Yeah, no. To be fair, I found it a lot more comfortable for myself. Maybe just purely because of the career myself and in in that environment, I just felt probably more at ease. Um, more, more. Yeah, it just seemed to be seamless for me when I worked up there and and, and kind of supported that that. Arena. If I'm honest with you, um, so yeah, no. I thought for, for me personally, it, it was it was very much more natural to be around that. It was it was talking to to lads in more football kind of language, um, yeah, and, and giving them tips around the game. It, it seemed to be yeah. It was that journey, like I say, within the club. It's it's probably very unique. You you find yourself you're supporting lots of different things all the time. So whilst I did that with the 19s, I was still running the under. I was involved with the 16s and. Being involved in, in the youth development phase as well. So it yeah, you're not just pigeonholed in one area, if you know what I mean. But that that moment or that that time whilst I was at United, that was a really good um, I guess, part of my journey in terms of the learning and, f- and finding out actually what did I personally feel? How did I how did I feel from that experience? And I started to have them feelings and going like actually, i really worked, I really enjoyed with the little guys and work, work working through that kind of process of going from the younger ones up through. Yeah, and that that seemed to be the next obvious challenge for me going forward would,
0: would be to try and be around that more a little bit more often. Tell us about, for example, what are the challenges then? For example, you know, game day, you know, you're making those decisions on the sideline or you're just supporting players, and it's you know, they I suppose there's that more acute, isn't it? Those decisions actually matter that much more. What, what was that? Was that like a was a challenge? Was that pressure or something you enjoyed? Or what, what was what was what the things, the main takeaways you took from those those sort of experiences? Yeah, I mean, look,
1: I think there's probably a lot more focus and, and uh, exposure on, on the older guys. Um, certainly, when I went with the Champions League squad, you could see obviously the first team staff were around, and there's a lot more demand on, on performance and a lot more, I guess, pressure on, on the on the results. So, yeah, I guess that he was probably paying attention to detail of, of the opposition and understanding what what their strengths were, and and making sure that you prepare properly in terms of rest, recovery, um, you know, your analysis information, the lads who uh who were playing or not playing, you know, making sure they understand what their roles were within the team. And yeah, I some kind of ideas on the opposition in, in a different league. So yeah, it took, again, it, it was really interesting um, for, for coaches and for the players. It was, yeah, I think it's like anything when, when you wake up in the morning and it's almost something new. There's a challenge there. It motivates you. Uh, and you want to try and find out how to, how to, I guess, solve it. So it's, yeah, I think, yeah, um, they were, they were, for me personally and certainly for the players, they were, were, were key moments of development, of, of learning. So, yeah, I think obviously working working in that environment for, for us all, um, there was always going to be opportunities to, to fail, make mistakes and, and reflect and, and move again going forward and, and trying to, to take the good
0: from what's, what's happened. Give us an idea of what, what it was like on the pitch then delivering on the grass with these guys. What was your role? And... What sort of things were you delivering? Was it that yeah, much I mean, difference to what you were doing in the YDP, or was it just
1: yeah, no, from no. That? just maybe a little bit more tactical, if I'm honest with really. you. It wasn't me really leading it, it was more like Nicky Boughton. There was other staff supporting that that process as well with the nineteens. I think the, the club shared the, the roles around um and making sure like staff had CPD opportunities as well to get up there and, and work if they wanted to. If not, you know, they could just go and watch and observe. But certainly for me, I I really enjoyed working like we warren joyce for the twenty ones and um, with the 19s uh, and 18s, you know, I kind of I, f- I found that was the next the next obvious step for me to to keep learning. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it was a really enjoyable experience for me. And like I say that the, you're just bringing yourself back towards the the real game again, um, like a full circle, really, of of learning and breaking yourself down, understand understanding what development means, but. I think the training wasn't so. Yeah, you're still looking for the fundamentals. You're still looking at what you know. You're passing, receiving, you're dribbling, your awareness, you're checking your shoulder, your timing, your runs. All the all the technical skills that the club were adamant on. They were all
0: still being spoken about at 19. Certainly, interesting. And then, so, tell us a bit then. So then, you were you're you're under 17 technical coach as well at that time, and 16 head coach. You got those. You got stuff going on. Tell us about that technical coach role. Obviously, how did that work in effect and what sorts of things are you delivering?
1: Yeah, so uh, around that time, I was then asked to, to lead on the, um, it was called the Manners programme, which is like the um, schoolboy scholarship. So you have the best 10 to 13 players in the academy if who was in the academy. So we'd, we'd sign from national, so we'd get players from, from London or wherever. You'd have a, you'd have a nucleus of, of maybe the best players within the academy at that time. Um, in a group that were, were being housed by the club, we were being schooled by the club, and then we're coming in full time. and I was kind of leading that program, which was really good. It was interesting, and I still had the, I took the 16th and then I was supporting the the 17s as a technical coach. So it was a, a very busy time, but a, a time where yeah, lots of fantastic opportunities to learn, and it was it was great for me to yeah, I mean, look, some of the players that that I was coaching and being around, you know, quite a lot of them I've, I've gone on to have. You know they're all in the game now. Most of them. well, yeah, I think most of them are in the game, and they're all having great great careers. And I think I was fortunate to be around that. I was I was learning around that. The Manus program was um, what what was the program called, sorry? Manus. So it's M A N and U S S. So yeah, so right. yeah, that's that was the Man United Schoolboy Scholarship program. So if you nice. get like the old schoolboy one at fourteen, if you sign a schoolboy, you, you're almost getting a, a YTS or an apprenticeship. Um, United called. You know, kind of changed it into into manners. So, yeah, it would it would be if you the club had an aspirational program. So you'd have a you'd have a core program which would be normal, maybe Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Then you'd have a like a, a hybrid type of program. So if you had Tuesday, Thursday, if you're doing really well, you might get another day. You come in like maybe on Wednesday afternoon or still Saturday, Sunday, or and then if you went into the manners program, which was a third tier, the highest tier. You you would literally have your kind of your own training program and dip in your own age groups or an age group up before that you were suitable to. Um, and play either Saturday or Sunday. It was, yeah, it was a very complex program. But again, um, you know, all, all going back to the you know, the players' needs. And again, I, I think when I was running that program, you know, there was I was always involved in that program right from the start. You know, Tony Whelan and Paul used to run on that program, and I kind of was a technical coach from from behind, but then a, I say managed to lead it, but within that time, I was, I was supporting the seventeens program. So you then you'd be looking at the best sixteens and even 15s moving up to the eighteens group. So so as a seventeens
0: type of coach, you're watching that transition happening all the time, up and down. Um, be doing any with that? Did you do any like individual stuff then? But as a technical coach, would you work with players individually or that small, small yeah, group stuff? Yeah,
1: that was it. Yeah, so that's so, what so I was going to get to. It. So in the end, if I wasn't doing the sixteens or the manners program, the te- my technical job would be. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking individuals. I'm taking the units, probably more the back four, or yeah, maybe the midfield group. It'd be more, like you say, technical on the grass, um, in the positions as well. So yeah, know, calling clinics. So that would be my role with the with the 17s. It was that trans- transition from the 16s up, but also supporting the 18s program with. Well, probably under 17 players and, and, and getting getting kind of some individual work and some unit work done with them as well.
0: Could you give us an example of saying in some individual work you might do with a player any position for example you know if you've got take pull one player out you have notice something you want to work on what might you be what sort of stuff would you be doing?
1: Yeah I mean look it's, it's pretty straightforward really you know let's just say centre back you know you, you it's not all about performance but you, you always look into I think we, we had an ILP process or so your individual learning plan so you always worked off that so say a sense back always wanted to improve, or you needed to improve his defending or 1v1s or jockeying or if it's heading, you'd be going through the kind of like looking at clips from the analysis, you know, but not, not clips in a way where they're so negative. It would be a mixture of clips, maybe four, four really good, four where you can work on, four where you could you talk about, and then you go out and start working on them on the grass as well. And you just, you just continue to to, to evolve over time and, and keep, keep that process going really. So, yeah, it was pretty pretty straightforward in terms of like it wasn't all about game day and reflecting from the game day and taking action. But um, sometimes you would have you use a game day and you you'd look at the game in terms of what they've done, and then yeah, you would you'd sit together, you'd have a talk, you have a cup of tea, and you go through the clips a little bit, and then we'd devise. You know, it wasn't just coach Leader either. You know, me and the centre back. You know, this one who's now on loan to uh, is that Birmingham from from United, Ted Menger. He uh, he was brilliant. He was very much forthgoing. He wanted to know more. He wanted to be a part of the process. So he, you know, between me and Ted, we we devising kind of you know, little practices and little skill practices. You know, whether it be defend, defensive heading or you know driving out the ball and wrapping balls into little pod goals, whatever it might be. So it'd be very much personal. You know, building relationships, uh, but very much again against
0: the ILP that you know what, what they kind of agreed on from the start of the season. Paul mentioned that there was like a cage or some little thing where all like the best players would get go and only the best players would get in there and you talked about Rashford playing with Pogba and all those all, like those plans, older younger kids playing with older kids. Tell us a bit about that and what's so great about that environment.
1: Yeah, I mean that was that like I say from, from when I started, that's where it kind of it, that phased out towards the end. But that was an incredible environment for for the players to to be around. So that managed group that i spoke to you about when I first joined the they'd be a part of that on a Monday with, with the 18s. So the 18s have their training programme, the Manus have theirs, and then come together towards the end of the, the, the training session. The cage would be there. And the cage was, yeah, it was an incredible environment for, for the players. And some players had to watch from the side if they couldn't get in it. So I think Paul had it at 13 v 13. Um, mm. It'd be incredible. The speed, um, the skill. Um, yeah, just the passion within the cage was was it. Was just fantastic to be around. If I'm honest with you, Um, he got it going, and like you say, it was he added that environment where the older ones would, would you know, get to know the young ones, the the kids who were were getting invited in there. And so all of a sudden, you see the the little ones around the edge of the cage, really to start with, and then as you get a little bit more confident, a bit older, start edging in and competing within, and being a right right part of it. So, yeah, you know what we. What I thought was an incredible um, opportunity for for players to to real really develop and you know gain friendships and, and all the rest of it. It kind of got taken away because there was some information from the I don't know some of the regulations were like well you can't play with a twelve year old with a sixteen year old or thirteen year old with an eighteen year old. You're like, well, you're oh, it's safety, that on
0: nightmare.
1: yeah, they, yeah. They were like, what you on that you know? So we had it. It was a controlled environment. You know, we was around. No, we weren't coaching. We just around the outside of the cage, sat down watching the lads and and honestly they drove it themselves it was incredible but then all of a sudden, you're getting all these you know the policies coming out you're like what are you was so that we, we kind of lost that and I don't know I don't know if they got it back now or what but that was that was an incredible uh, environment and obviously for the an opportunity for the lads to really get to know each other and, and show the skills and like you say you had the little ones who became like like you say you got Marcus who became really pally with Jesse and other people who were younger like Angel Gomez I remember him he got really friendly with with Marcus and, and other people it was it was it was an opportunity for for maybe best v best and best with best but the program always like you say if they, that was there and you was in Manus and you had the 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 hybrid and the core he was always aspirational, not just dependent on the performance, but, you know, how he was developing as a character and he was, the door was always open. He was never he was never shut. You couldn't get there and you couldn't get there. The door was always
0: an aspirational programme to try and find yourself through, you know, and it's not... How did prepared- you deal... Sorry, mate. I don't know. How did you deal with them? because you've got the menace programme and the core. I mean, you've obviously, you know, you've got the elite programme and obviously, yeah. sort of players underneath that. How do you deal with players and parents who are maybe not in there or is it just a case of that if you're good enough, you get in it. If you're not, you're not, you've got to work harder.
1: Difficult. Um, that was something I was trying to find, you know, a little bit of a, I don't know, I found it hard um, to, it's almost like when you're not excluding kids, but it was more like that inclusive inclusivity. Um, some kids were being left out. And when I, when I'm like, oh, But then I started to think, well, the kids, the kid, all the kids are coming in, they're all going on tours and tournaments and they're playing. They've got all the kit and they, you know, they get all the training and they get everything. It's, you keep giving them because they ask. You know, there's got to be some element of you got to fight for, you got to fight for this. You got, to, you know, you, you can't just take, and, and it's okay to expect. So, yeah, it was difficult. And as you say, the, the parent education meetings were there was quite a lot of them. But whether parents you know like it or not, you know, if your kid's not in a in a certain group, they're always going to be knocking your door, so they want to know why. But I think the club are always trying to be upfront up and honest and open to to everybody. Um, and give that idea of listen, you know, it's it's man united, you know, it's man united, so to speak, of a, you've got to get to be the best, you know, So For anybody's gonna get through, you've got to be the best and
0: you know, it's not a given. So you must decision, isn't it? It's it's like sorry it's interrupt It's decision It's, just, it's just like it's you know, it's an elite environment, isn't it? And you're Man you may not the elite of the elite, so it's top and the top, and it's I don't think I don't think it'd be as much issue in other sports if you say, Well hang on. Maybe you're not in that group yet, you're not quite there yet, you're going here. But for some reason in the football more people might pretend to say, well, actually, no, it's got every it's all gonna be all inclusive. Everyone's got the same opportunity when actually, you know, it's merit-based.
1: Yeah. It, I mean, look, it's it's never it's never gonna be easy when you've got a, your own child and you want the best for your own child, right? It's when yeah. you've got you however somebody, you know, somebody might say anything to you, but it. it's it's never going to be easy but like I always used to say to everybody go and enjoy your time maximize your time you know you could be doing something so different you you know Man United is a special club you're lucky to be here and have that mindset you know be thankful for what you've got and work hard for for more you know that that was kind of what I used to talk to the kids about and certainly the parents when they spoke to me you know if you look at the stats as well the lads who are you know not making it and falling out of the game and they're very very high, so just enjoy the enjoy the enjoy the ride, and and I think that was the good thing. Like the people like Tony Whelan, they they kept an eye, on making sure like nobody was left out. You know, everybody had a fair crack at the whip, and they say in terms of um, life experiences as well. If you was traveling the world, like the club went to incredible places like Hong Kong and LA and all over Europe and America. You know, it's just. It was just an incredible, like you say, every every kid who, who went into that environment was was given fantastic opportunities.
0: Interesting. Can you tell us a bit about the foundation phase? And you never worked in it included <laughs> the stuff of the trolls, but I mean, do you know did you spend much time? Can you just tell us give because it's, you know you've had a famous program there. Tell us yeah. about that rough little bit of overview of what the youngest players are doing at the club.
1: Yeah, I mean, from from what I saw, and you know, it was more more around the environment, it was more um, small sided games, more freedom. Um no real focus on well none none really on tactics which which i totally believe in it was more you know the skill on the ball uh ball manipulation massively focused on technique um creativity imagination freedom fun enjoyment these these were the these were the these are words but this is what's up this is what was happening in in the cliff it was the cliff that the like the lads were going into, and you go in there, you could just a massive buzz of loads of little, small-sided games knocking around, and very limited in interactions or stopping from the from the from the coaches. It was just play, play, play. Um, you know, you know, it might be one v ones, two v twos, three v threes, maybe up to four v four. Maybe they might finish with a six v six, but very limited in terms of training sessions and, and being coached and what to do and how to do it. It was more freedom of setting
0: the scene and letting them get at it interesting
1: um, and then just yeah. move on
0: quickly just briefly then uh, you've been now working for the PFA what's that like now working in coach education you've gone from player development to coach education what's that like
1: yeah it, it's, it's interesting um, similar process though I think you need to break like I keep saying to the to lads who I'm, I'm, I'm coming across now it's lads who are either in the game or coming out of the game you've got to break it down if they want to I think if they want to learn. They've got to try and understand development. They need to know what development means and that process of development and going the journey. You know, I think some are some are fortunate to go step straight into management and whatever, and, and a lot might want to do that. But there's got to be a mindset of of being open and growth, and you want to learn and and try and understand. It doesn't just uh, just happen. Um, I think a lot of them come out of the game like I did and just put sessions on and think that's how, that, that's what you got to do. But I think the yeah, the process um, of of development and techniques and skill and breaking it down um, of understanding what that means from, from, from the four corner model, if you wanted to use the the FAS model, you know, these, these areas for, for, for every player to to look into and every coach looking to each player. Sorry. Um, Interesting. It's, it's because I'm still learning myself. It's, I think it's just trying to shift mindsets from, from being an individual and about me in, into if you're going to be a coach, you're thinking about lots of other people and lots of lots of different things. Um, I think a lot of them are, are okay on session design and putting something out there. It's just more the, the art of coaching. I always keep saying that it's, you're building relationships to the, the communication skills and um, the empathy that you have with others. And that takes a bit of time to understand. Um, so that's, That'll be interesting to see how that
0: pans out for me, how I try and um, get that across. What about yourself and what's your aspirations for the future? You've had obviously a long career in the game. Would you like to get back into academy football, first team football? What you what's a long-term vision for yourself?
1: Um it's a good question. Um, I'm not I'm not too sure if I'm if I'm brutally honest with you. I'm really enjoying this because this last year has been a real eye, eye-opener for me. Because I've managed to get out and about and, and watch different lots of football from different football clubs uh, with my job. It's a different, totally different to what I did before. I'm, I'm working with scholars from seven clubs. I go into seven clubs, first teams. Uh, I'm, I'm on B license courses. I'm on A license courses. So every, every day is a different day. And I'm, I'm very much uh, happy to learn. I'm one of them people. I'm like a sponge. I like, I like to, I like to see things. I like to watch. I like, I like to listen. I like to talk, reflect, you know, um, and I found, like, it's given me opportunity to, to get up every day and, and go and find, what you know, what the day's going to bring, opposed to having a, a normal day, if you know what I mean. I know what I'm mm-hmm. getting to. I know what a normal week might be. Every day seems to be different. So, it's, like I say, it's been really enjoyable. But you, you just don't know the future, do you? I think, like I say, I'm talking football to good football people. And like, even having this now with you, it's... It's great to you know talk football and, and get things out. I mean, I've not spoken about my time at United for for a while actually. I don't even know if I've ever spoke it, about it like that to anybody. So it's yeah. I mean, look for, for me, who, who knows? Um, but like I say, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing right now. Um, I like I like to give. I, I have empathy to others. I like to see others doing well, and I think like like I say, if if I can help one one coach, be a, or one like guy coming out of the game
0: going into into coaching and it does okay, then Happy days. So on, to, on that one, then you know, what would your one bit, of, one bit of advice be, or you know, main bit of advice for a young coach coming out, whether he's an ex-player or just a young coach who wants to get involved in academy football development at the highest level and a great career like you've had in the game? Yeah, I think you've
1: you've you got to you, you got to throw away your, e- your ego, um, and and not not being like lose your identity, but you certainly got to be open-minded uh, to listen. To learn and I think like if you have a if you have a mindset that's it's open and 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 ready to take information in I think like the, the world's oyster it's, it's the ones when you almost get caught up in your own this is I this is it this is my way or the highway it's if you if you adopt an attitude that you can learn every day um and take little nuggets off anybody whatever it might be good or bad it shapes you for a better future. So certainly talk about um Open-mindedness, got a bit of a growth mindset. I did a course a little while ago um, with Carol Dweck. She wrote the book um, yeah. Growth Mindset, yeah. and it was a game changer for me. And I think, like, if you if you if you adopt that attitude, you know, if even if you've done something good, how can you get a little bit better? It, it keeps you on that that kind of edge to to be the best you can. And I think it's limitless. So, like I say, I think open-minded, be ready to listen, be ready to learn, um, share your ideas. Um, there's many ways of, of achieving greatness. It's not just one way. Um, yeah, and, and enjoy the process as well. It's, it's football, right? You're out and about, aren't you? So it, it can't be bad.
0: Well, and I assume you're a United fan, right? Obviously, spending so much time in the club. <laughs> well, so, so for your sins, as they say, I'm an Arsenal fan. So, you know, it's a bit of mutual pain going on here. But so, you know, the big question is, who would you rather win the league than Liverpool or City? What's this the, uh, which is the, what's this the lesser evil... <laughs> A tough one that no, I think
1: it's City for me. I think Liverpool's always been my well, hope. Oh, that's just a real, real, uh, <laughs> yeah, real tough, tough one that. But, um, no, City, if it had to be one of the two, it'd have to be City for me. I've got a lot of um, uh, family who are City fans as well, so I think they'll be happy to be there saying, yeah, <laughs> on
0: that bombshell. Lovely, hasn't he? Thanks very much, mate. It's been fantastic. Thanks for your time, pal. No worries. Great to do it. Top man. Thanks for tuning in to the MyPersonalFootballCoach.com Soccer Player Development Podcast. MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's Dynamic Ball Mastery Program is the world's leading online individual technical training program, proven and developed at the highest level in the English Premier League. Sign up now to train like the pros and take your game to the next level. Master the ball, master the game.